Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com, where we provide you with a spiritual haven of rest and explore the riches of the wisdom of the saints and the path to union with God. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven of rest. Your hermitage of the heart. Your monastery of the mind where we lift our hearts and minds to heaven to draw upon the wisdom of the saints to help us to understand how to follow Jesus today, here and now. The saints are never irrelevant. Is that is that right? That's a double negative. The saints are always relevant, uh, no matter how long ago they lived. In fact... The more you study history, the more you realize history repeats itself. We're going through another wave of silly Marxism and socialism, and it's just, it's, um, it, it's just over and over and over again. Humanity trying to solve humanity's problems in in the way that humanity thinks is the most intelligent, and sort of God just sits back and goes, "Okay, how about why don't you just turn to me and I can solve all this for you?" But that's what this show is about: is turning to Him so that he can help us find the real solutions, right? The name above all other names. Right. King of kings and Lord of lords. So <clears throat> why don't you introduce uh, our guest, Father Matthew McDonald. Okay. Father Matthew McDonald is a priest of the Archdiocese of New York. He has written articles for Catholic World Report, Crisis Magazine, and SpiritualDirection.com on various topics dealing with theology, spirituality, and current events, affecting the church and the world. His greatest loves are our Lord, our Lady, the priesthood, and the church. He seeks to help people grow in the love of our Lord through helping people to live out the teachings of the church on prayer and the spiritual life. And it's awesome to welcome Father McDonald. Thank you, Dan and Stephanie. It's great to be back here with you today. Father, um, in, in terms of why you're here, Instead of Father Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene, and uh, a key reason is that Father Gabriel is dead, but hopefully living on in eternity, of course, in heaven. Uh, he was the head of the um, the Teresianum in Rome for years. But um, the other reason you're here is because you wrote, uh, was it your graduate thesis on visions and revelations? Yes. So I wrote my MA thesis at St. Joseph's Seminary in Yonkers, New York, also known as Dunwoody, on the discernment of spirit, on the discernment of private revelations, according to the teachings of scripture, the teachings of the magisterium, and also the teachings of the Carmelite school of spirituality. And I stumbled upon the book Visions and Revelations in my research. I found it very important. It's technical um, in some ways, but it's also accessible. And the reason why I found it important is it helps people understand the reality that sometimes God gives us particular graces in our in our prayer, such as visions, locutions, revelations of greater or lesser degree. And, And Father Gabriel really lays out how we should approach these visions and revelations. Um, what's the attitude of the recipient? and how the director, um, the spiritual director, should help accompany the person in discerning them according to the teachings of St. John of the Cross and St. Teresa of Avila. And they're based on a series of conferences that he gave at the Teresianum Rome between 1938 and 1939. 
The um, I think it's probably important before we uh, tell people, you know, jump into the topic, let people know where we stand or where we sit before we tell them where we stand. I don't know, something like that. But um, we, you know, I'm Stephanie and I are pretty well into the what people might call the glad trad realm of traditionalist traditionalism. But like you, we should I say, but I don't know. We believe in, in these things. We believe that the Lord is alive and well. We believe that he speaks to his people still and through visions and revelations and all of that sort of thing. Um, uh, so it, in terms of how we approach the subject, it's not, though it's uh, prudent, uh, it's not skeptical. Would that be a good summary for you as well, Father? Yes, I. that's pretty much my, my position on apparitions, visions, and revelations, all these fall within the realm of private revelations. And I think the church's position is one of guarded openness, you know, realizing that visions and revelations from major private revelations like Fatima, Lourdes, Guadalupe that have been fully church approved or other private revelations um, that have not yet received fully church, full church approval to lesser private relations that deal only with me, things I may receive in prayer, meditating on scripture or on retreat, there are secondary means to, and aids to faith. And they're only valuable insofar as they lead me back to Jesus, lead me back to public revelation found in scripture and tradition, the constant teaching of the church, and help me grow in faith, hope, and love. Yeah, and I think this time, one of the reasons that this bringing this book back into print and then also this these series of shows we're going to do is because it is a very difficult time in the church and just about every day if i paid attention and i'm starting to grow weary again where i'm i'm shutting things off and deleting messages and whatever uh there's new visions and revelations and new seers and new mystics and new you know new voices or voices resurrected from the past uh, many who are uh, i think attempting to cash in on the fears of people i do think it's also true that in difficult times saints emerge and uh, revelations emerge and and the movement of god is is present and even more evident because the people are struggling and he cares about us and wants to answer uh, uh, the deepest uh, concerns of our hearts. But we we have to be careful because I think uh, history would show there are more frauds than there are um, uh, valid expressions of the work of God. I think they probably outnumber them a thousand to one. So we have to rely upon what the church teaches and the lens through which the church asks us to view these things. And you, you said it perfectly a minute ago, and I, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to butcher it, but you, you had, you, when I asked about being um, prudent, but not skeptical, what was the phrase you used? I really liked what you said, if you remember what I'm talking about. Towards private revelations, we should always have a position of guarded openness. Guarded openness. I like that. So it's, it, it, there was a reason, oh, we'll move into a kind of a question evaluation of the topic we're going to go through it systematically uh, 
But um, there's a recent book on Fatima, Third Secret of, Secret of Fatima, which is an obsession of many. And uh, I was really troubled by the book. Uh, this is the last I'll say on the negative side, at least uh, as an intro, because the author did a lot of good research, but then he quoted and cited uh, at least one person who I think has been credibly dismantled in our current time. And I think um, the guarded openness that you described was not used in that book. There was just an openness and there was no, you know, it was just accepting the claims of different people as if they're all true because they're orthodox. And that just simply is not the method of the church. Just because someone's orthodox doesn't mean what they're saying is from the Holy Spirit, though that's a good test, right? Mm -hmm. um, so why don't we, uh, Father Matthew, why don't we jump in and just begin to dissect what we're talking about and explain it very clearly and systematically. I know Stephanie's got the first question, which is a simple one, but an important foundational one. Yeah, I think we need to start here. So, Father, explain to us what a private revelation is. So private revelation is the supernatural manifestation of a hidden truth by means of a vision, a word, or only a prophetic instinct. The term refers to all visions and revelations that have taken place since the completion of the New Testament. All right. So, so can I ask you a question about this? So private revelation is a supernatural revelation of a hidden truth. It can also be um, an emphasis of an existing truth, could it not? Yes, an application of a truth already revealed by Christ in the Gospels or taught by the magisterium of the church, or that's in the theological tradition of the church. Right. So an example would be Fatima. Uh, we're told we're in, encouraged to pray the rosary, but that also has been there since the beginning of the rosary um, coming onto the scene in the in the church. Right. So it can be a reemphasis of what uh, we've already been asked to do, or and and also a deeper revelation of how important it is, which I think is what we have in Fatima. Is that a good example? Well, I think I think we lost Father McDonald, so we'll keep we'll keep rolling here until we get him back. I think Stephanie, why don't you ask the next question, <clears throat> and then we'll. Okay, <clears throat> so the next question is: What is the purpose of private revelation? So the purpose of private revelation is to provide an, an a particular emphasis on some aspect of the gospel or uh, church teaching at a specific moment in time where the people of God need it most to lead us to a deeper faith, hope, and charity. So as we mentioned in the introduction, it's God's movement in a particular time to bring um, deeper peace to the people of God. I don't know. Are, have any um, uh, revelations that have been approved, like apparitions, that sort of thing, given you any kind of particular comfort stuff or, or guided your spirituality? Um, well, Fatima, yeah. Fatima was a huge um, revelation to me. I, it's interesting because years ago we, I had never been to Fatima or Lourdes and, um, but it kept 
kind of showing up. And so I had this desire to go. And I was actually talking to a number of sisters one one time in the cathedral up in Birmingham. And they said something about it. It was just an offhand comment. And when they said it, I burst into tears. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I think Our Lady's calling me. And uh, sure enough, we were able to go within the year. And it was remarkable. It was uh, transformative to my faith and my walk with Our Lady. So when we get back, uh, hopefully Father McDonald will rejoin us and we'll continue our conversation on visions, revelations, and apparitions. How to discern them. Hi, friends. We want to personally invite you to check out all of our upcoming retreats here at Avila. Head over to spiritualdirection.com forward slash events or click on the events tab on the top of spiritualdirection.com and sign up now for one of our powerful mini retreats, setting the captives free or into the deep or divine intimacy and marriage. Now with both live and online options, our mini retreats can be live streamed right into your living room or parish meeting room. Discover why these events sell out time and time again. That's spiritualdirection.com forward slash events register today there is a growing need for well-formed solid spiritual directors in the church today the avila institute in collaboration with heart of christ spiritual direction program offers a certificate in spiritual direction for those who feel called to accompany others in their journey towards god the program is grounded in ignatian and carmelite spirituality based on a catholic worldview and draws on the wisdom of the saints with an emphasis on biblical principles and the new evangelization this program offers both online and on-site classes Discover more and apply today at avala-institute.org. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome back to Divine Intimacy Radio. Did I like add an Ellen to your name right there? Stephanie? Stephanie? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. My mouth's not cooperating <clears throat> with my brain. One thing I did want to say before we go any further in this uh talking about revelation private re there's private revelation and public revelation right so what is public revelation public revelation is it re it refers to the old and new testament basically and uh, i didn't believe this about catholics when i was a protestant i didn't believe catholics held the bible as infallible or they held it in high esteem at all but in fact um the, the public revelation of scripture cannot be superseded as traditionally taught by the church by any other teaching. There can't be any teaching that contradicts the Bible. The Bible is the highest form of revelation and uh, uh, always to be held to. So private revelation is um, uh, a means uh, that God uses when they're valid to speak through people for a particular time that is doesn't rise to the level of public revelation, but sometimes the church uh, gives an approval to it that um, that points the faithful that points to the faithful and says this is something you can and should be encouraged to 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 orient your heart and mind to mm -hmm. that will help you in your faith. The Pope Benedict in um, in Verbum Domini said, "Private revelation is an aid to the faith. It demonstrates credibility." precisely because it refers back to one public revelation, which we've talked about. Ecclesiastical approval of a private revelation essentially means that 
its message contains nothing contrary to the faith uh, and morals. It's listed to make public and faith to make it public, and the faithful are authorized to give it their prudent adhesion. So, authentic private private revelations don't add to or subtract from public, and should not take our eyes off of what Jesus has written. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, we um, what comes to mind, and this is you know rather current. Um, but we have, you know, um, blessed or saint, uh, Carlo Acutis. Is he a saint by now? He's a saint. Uh, okay. No. Was, no, he's blessed. I, no, I he's, I'm showing my ignorance. Yeah, I think it was, no, was, he's, I, he's. I believe the, he's sainted. Yeah, he's the uh, guy. The teenager. Guy yeah, wears uh, sneakers. Yeah, no. He was <laughs> yeah. We've, we've seen his incorrupt body. It's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, he, you know, he had this amazing devotion to the Eucharist mm-hmm. and actually gathered all the Eucharist Eucharistic mi- uh, miracles he could come across across the world. You know, he would research it and he put it into a website. It's one of the reasons his cause was moved forward because he was so devout and so holy. And this was his life's work at such a young age. And um, certainly, you know, any kind of Eucharistic miracle that leads us to a greater faith in the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist, the true understanding that this is his resurrected body, blood, soul, and divinity, and that we can have faith that it's true is uh, really important. I mean, that would be, I believe, an example of private revelation to the individuals that had the Eucharistic um, miracle, right? Yeah. So it, because it happened to an individual, so it was privately in, you know, I don't know, right? Yeah. So, you know, that was one of the questions I was going to ask Father uh, McDonald. Hopefully he'll make it back on. You know, those who hang with us know that spiritual warfare is real, um, especially if we start talking about Our Lady or some really amazing truth. Uh, here we are once again talking about private revelations. We lean into Fatima and the secrets of Fatima and praying the rosary and how we must pray the rosary and how her immaculate heart will triumph and Father McDonald disappears. <laughs> That's right. So. We'll keep we'll keep rolling forward. Um <clears throat> the oh, look at that. <clears throat> I fa- finished that sentence and here he is. Right. You know? So as Father comes back on, I Father, um I'm just about to talk about Verbum Domini number 14. Mm-hmm. So um more from Pope Benedict which is very helpful in this, a private revelation can re- can produce introduce new emphasis, okay? So emphasis, of course, means that it's something that already exists, but it's new emphasis, give rise, r- rise to new forms of piety or deepen older ones. And new forms of piety, of course, will never be uh, con- in contradiction to older forms or supplant older forms. A great example of this, Father McDonald, Donald, I think, is uh, the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Does that does that fit in this category? Absolutely, the Divine Mercy Chaplet and the devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus are definitely a perfect example of the continuity of this. And when you have private revelations that are church approved, then you have a certain prophetic consensus that you could look at with them. Um, and we could talk about that a little bit more, maybe in another episode, um, because that's an issue that some people look into that can be good, but also people's interpretation of that could be problematic or even heretical. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's keep let's keep rolling down key questions that help us to understand 
all of this. Um, you want to offer the next question? Sure. What does the term supernatural mean? So supernatural in terms of private revelations, uh, if they, if they uh, authentically reflect something that God is bringing, they would fall into the category of supernatural. Is that oversimplification, uh, Father McDonald? No, that's, that's, pretty much dead on they would fall into supernatural occurrences if they're authentically coming from god so and what is a supernatural what what does what the term supernatural mean so the term, the term yeah. supernatural is the divine life of god over and above the natural order in which we live the supernatural order is the ensemble of effects it's exceeding the powers of the created universe and gratuitous and they're gratuitously produced by God for the purpose of raising the rational creature above its native sphere to a godlike life and destiny. So I like that definition. I think what it, why it compels me is that a supernatural revelation, vision and revelation, draws us out of the mire and the muck of sin and brokenness and confusion sadness, whatever we're struggling with, up to a higher view of all of reality, but then also connected with God and what he's doing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think also supernatural, as manifested through private revelations of different degrees and orders, shows that, that God is in this divine clockmaker that sets everything into motion or sets me into motion and then backs off. God is intimately involved in human history and in the history of the life of the church. And the supernatural nature of private relations reminds me of the, the presence of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is real and tangible working in my life right now, but I may not always see it or be receptive to it. So the, the term supernatural also, it's very important in terms of uh, designation by the church, right? So um, why don't you talk, uh, frame it now in terms of uh, how does that relate to private revelation? And then we'll, I think a, a, a good follow-on is then maybe how does the church, what are the three designations the church gives uh, as they assess a private revelation? Okay, so in the theology of private revelation, the term supernatural means three things. First, the alleged private revelations are truly from God, that they are declared to be such by the authority of the church. That's the second point. And the third point is the faithful can trust in the authenticity of the claims if they so choose. So the designations then, it's if it's supernatural and the church d designates it as such, it means that the church has said we believe though it's not it's not a, a a declaration of certainty or is it it when the church declares we believe this is supernatural are they saying we believe it is or we know it is i think it's a belief not a no it's, right it's it's belief yeah. and the church has the authority to do that and when you have a supernatural occurrence that's authentically from God and our Lord has given the church the ability to discern that, um, it's a mystery. So it's saying with a level of certainty, you know, 
the, the highest certainty that the church can say right possible that this is from god and then the middle designation which is a shoulder shrug right i don't know <laughs> that, is that, yeah. that's yeah. pretty much the middle designation and then the the more negative designation is this is not from god this is yeah. not supernatural this is not of god or supernatural so there's three rulings on the supernatural character um so there's constata supernaturalitate which means consists of the supernatural mm -hmm. um the middle one that you alluded to is called non constata supernaturalitate which means i don't know it could also lean a little bit more towards the negative mm -hmm. then there's the third designation which is constata non supernaturalitate which is definitively this is not supernatural now in the current language we see this in um bishop rhodes declaration on the early of america apparition mm -hmm. he used non constata supernaturalitate in a middle way but non constata supernaturalitate can also be used in a negative way in a way that is similar to the third designation this is definitely not so and but that would that would be indicated by additional text or commentary yes. so we don't really know but we're pretty sure it's not is that a good summary yes yes Just to take or, it out of technical or latin or if they know definitively they'll say constata non supernaturalitate right. as in the case of an apparition like holy love ministries or bayside queens yeah very good stephanie you had a comment you wanted to uh, well, real, I don't know if we have enough time. I'll try it and let's see if we can make it. Um, there is a new uh, video that went out just in the last four days of a Eucharist that started to beat in adoration. Okay. Mm. So the video went out immediately. They gathered the video before it could be doctored, the priest that it happened to. He's a founder of a religious community. Now it's gone out. What does the church do with that? What are the next steps that would be taken and we don't have much time. Maybe you can just give us a quick rundown um, of what would happen and how they could bring about whether we should believe or not. Eyewitness testimony, testimony of the priest, scientific analysis, and then that would be presented to the bishop. And this may be at most a lesser miracle, but again, we don't know all the circumstances. Okay. All right. Well, we're that's we, great. We're going to hang it up for now, but we have another show coming on the same topic. But Stephanie, once you do the traditional ending. Until next time, may the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May He preserve you whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Learn more about the interior life. Visit spiritualdirection.com. Divine Intimacy Radio is a co-production of EWTN Radio and spiritualdirection.com and heard worldwide on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.